Do you love to talk about rescue dogs almost too much? Us too. This is why I created a space where we can celebrate it. This podcast is for those who are passionate about rescue because dogs, whether they're a foster or a new member of your family, they rescue us right back. Each week, we invite a member of the dog rescue community to talk about their passion for rescue dogs and how their life has never been the same. This is Rescue Dog Love, a rescue community podcast. I'm Yamini, and this is my first rescue, Bus. Hello? rescue dog lovers of the internet welcome back to the rescue dog love podcast and welcome back to another episode featuring courtney all about play-based training this second part is really interesting courtney and i continue our conversation we discuss practical ways to use play with specific behavioral issues and then we get into a very very interesting conversation about her time in florida with the dogs playing for life program it's an amazing experience even just hearing about it secondhand so i hope you find it interesting i hope it helps you learn a little bit about the rescue world and what amazing programs out of the box programs exist out there for shelter animals and that can be taken into all sorts of rescue situations whether that be fostering rescuing etc hope you enjoy and see you next week. Let's talk about maybe like how maybe the everyday person can incorporate some some of like what you're doing in their everyday life. Obviously, you know, hire a trainer <laughs> yeah. if you're really dealing with some yeah. hard behavioral um, issues. But maybe we can talk about how, you know, the way you approach training can be used. Let's talk about your resident dog, like your everyday dog. What are yeah. some fun ways you can start incorporating these techniques? Yeah. So it really depends on the dog. Like again, back to like one of the first things I think about with the dog that I'm dealing with is like, what is their genetic makeup? Like what is this dog naturally going to be into versus like forcing something on them? So a lot of dogs are food motivated. So like doing the treat chase game is like a really fun way to get them into a game versus just an exchange of food. Um, So doing what I said, like tossing the food and like making it more active, like putting life into like what you're doing. You can lure them a lot with your hand, like make them do a bit different positions and like kind of make them like work to get to that food, but like in a fun way that's engaging with you. That's a really good one for dogs that are like, again, like food motivated. It's pretty easy. Most dogs can get into it with a lot of like dogs that have like fight in them, like dogs that enjoy like (laughs) pitties or like bully breeds or shepherds. Tug is a really awesome thing to do for like breed fulfillment. Tug is a competitive game. So like you're fighting over the toy. So just like getting them into that is like so good for them because like dogs that love conflict are like going to love this kind of game where they get to like really put their all into playing this game. And one thing that's really important whenever you're playing with a dog is to like kind of meet them where they're at. I think a lot of people go like really hard, really quick. I did this with Josie. Like when I started playing tug with her I was like winning every time we tugged and then she was like I don't want to play this game this sucks I've heard about this dog win most of the time because it's yeah. that like fulfillment I guess totally like she was like okay I'm not interested in this but like some dogs are different like like for example like the dog I just temp foster Tessa she's like a bully and she loves a good fight and she like actually making her miss and lose is like that's making her want to get it more so mm. I still have to let her win it but I can also make her miss 
more to like kind of build her drive and frustration into a good outlet. You're teaching your dog like all these different things too. Like that's what I love about play is like a lot of people who deal with like reactivity and stuff, they kind of like skip over play when it's like actually super beneficial because your dog is like in a very heightened state when they're playing with you and you can teach them like emotional regulation through like what you're doing. And that's like such a huge thing that people skip on which I wish they didn't because it's like so good because it's something that they love doing and you can control their emotions through it if you work with them on it tug is a really good one for dogs who like love conflict or (laughs) are just really drivey fetch is a really good game for dogs who are like retrieving have like that natural retrieve and like love to chase things teaching them to retrieve can be a little bit more tricky but like just kind of like throwing yourself into the game with them is really helpful so like getting really excited when they get the ball like running with them sharing that experience together versus them just like throwing the ball them running and then like them not coming back and you being like oh they don't don't want to play fetch because I just don't want to bring it back it's like no you got to be excited too again like something people kind of miss on is like you have to play with them like yeah you can't just get involved yeah like dogs like a lot of people are like get obsessed with like the toy that they use or like the dog doesn't like the ball but it likes this toy it's like okay yeah but it's not the toy it's the game it's the game that they like so you need to teach them the game and what the rules of the game are what the objective of the game is and you just have to keep working on that until they understand what it is that you're doing it's kind of like you're teaching them like a language it's like anything in training like it takes Mm -hmm. practice and it's a lot of just doing the same thing over and over again and giving like those teaching opportunities of like no this is like what we're trying to do together and then like building that from the ground up it's a lot harder than people think I think a lot of people just think like I did like my dog just doesn't like to play or like I thought that she would just be more excited when I pulled the toy out but it's really not about the toy it's about the game and yeah you can find toys that maybe will be a little bit more interesting to them that might help you get further quicker but it's about the game not the toy that's so interesting and do you find okay I've had a lot of because I usually foster small dogs and obviously I have two yeah. small dogs boss loves tug of war Queenie's getting into it fetch though is both their number ones like when yeah. we play with them we carry three balls and we oh God, just keep it awesome. going <laughs> Like, and they'll just like, you know, catch it. And then the next one will pop up. They'll be both be like, yeah. ready to go again. That's so cool. I don't know. Is that like also kind of like breed specific need? It could be. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like boss is a chihuahua, right? Like he's like a He's chihuahua. a chihuahua pug mix. He has some dashing in him. Apparently okay. says that. I think dachshunds are like hunting dogs, I think. So that could yeah. be like a retrieving thing. I um, mean, Queenie, I don't know what she is yet. She is a hunter because yeah. we <laughs> yeah. have a lot of rats and mice in our neighborhood and (laughs) she will go for it (laughs) that's funny yeah yeah it's interesting like looking into like what kind of makes them tick like I don't know Josie just likes to like her favorite part of play is just like straight up wrestling like she likes to wrestle and she likes to chase I don't know I don't know if that's like a Pyrenees thing I don't think it is but like maybe it is like some dogs it applies some dogs it doesn't I don't know it's kind of just like again like every dog is unique and it's just like you have to like kind of work sometimes to figure it out especially with rescue that have like such mixed genetics like yeah. it might not always be obvious like what they love like it has to be like you have to work to find out what it is that they like totally and then in terms of like you know working with dogs behavioral issues again get a trader um but how <laughs> yeah. would you like how would you approach different situations like you have with your foster yeah dogs? so like reactivity like I was kind of mentioning earlier like if the dog is like getting really frustrated I want to work on that frustration tolerance so through play you can do that like you can teach them impulse 
control. You can bring them into a really heightened aroused state and teach them to come down from that. So I, I like to teach this thing called like windows of opportunity with dogs that kind of have arousal problems. It's another like J-Jack kind of like concept, but the idea is like you're kind of telling the dog what is appropriate at the time. So like when I open the play window, when I say, are you ready? That means you can be crazy when we play this game. You can be wild. When I tell you easy, when I'm playing the game with you, that's when you're coming down. Like you're still playing the game, but you're coming from a 10 to a five. And we're like, we're playing nicely right now. And like, those are the kinds of things that I want dogs that have like arousal problems to understand so that there's like that level of like control, but also like you're teaching them emotional regulation. Like they struggle with that. Like that's something that they need. And it's really hard to teach that kind of outside of play, honestly, because like the only time they're ever in that aroused state is when they're reacting on the leash. So it's like, how do you recreate that moment to teach them other than counter conditioning and walking past dogs and teaching engagement like yeah we can do that too but let's also teach them this and build your relationship as well at the same time where it's Mm -hmm. like you're having fun but also they trust you and like you're teaching them that emotional level of regulation yeah and you're you know learning the skill overall versus like only that particular moment like boss used to be reactive obviously still can be sometimes and what we've been working on with him which would be interesting to introduce this too he's been doing a lot of like delayed gratification basically because as much as he's very well behaved but he's still at like an eight or a ten yeah it's like it's like he's sitting and he's still but he's like shaking in anticipation yeah, yeah, yeah. we've just like made him wait half an hour 45 <laughs> minutes for food yeah. like place and not yeah. leave for a long time so things like that but I feel like when it comes to emotional regulating in general like it is also something we unknowingly have done when we played with him too yeah totally he does get he gets but I don't think that's a bad thing like with play like I want the dog to be crazy like I'm like this is your time to like shine. yeah like you can be absolutely crazy and it's gonna be good like I want you to do that because part of the problem with like modern day like training and like everything being through transactions mm-hmm. and stuff is like the dogs don't get that outlet and like they're under control all the time like you're like you said like they're on place for an hour or whatever and like it's constant like boundaries boundaries structure structure and it's like there's nothing else and it's like you're kind of just like beating this into the dog to be like a good dog all the time but you're not giving them that outlet to be wild and crazy it's like give them that and then also incorporate these other things but like focus on giving them that so that you can like a like I said build your relationship but also you have this outlet where you're allowed to be wild and crazy and you can be nuts you can be going crazy and I'm going to teach you to come down from that after and then we're going to go home and you're going to be fulfilled like biological fulfillment is like so important for dogs like they're dogs and I think people forget that (laughs) we live with these animals (laughs) like like, people always like say like oh the dog's an animal like it literally is like it's a it's a dog and like this is not a natural environment for them to live in and like that's kind of something that this book animals make us human talks about i recommend this book to everyone because it's like super super interesting information it goes into a bunch of different animals you can't describe what a natural environment mm-hmm. is for a dog we don't yeah, have one we there don't because they've been domesticated can... for so long like yeah, how exactly. would you know yeah and like we import dogs from all over the place like mexico turkey like some of these dogs are like 100 street dog like forest who's in the in the other room right now like 88% village dog that is a dog that has just like genetics from like the original dog you have to be able to work with these animals if you're going to put them in your house we watched a documentary recently on Netflix like the animals one and there was a wolf and wolf all the wolf relatives yeah they were saying in there that that one of the reasons we did domesticate like wolves 
into dogs is basically that they they are like one of the few species that had like that play dynamic that aren't mm-hmm. like chimpanzees or like animals yeah. that are related to us something I won't go into like too much but like yeah play is also like considered another like core emotion but it's not like it's not there for like the whole lifespan for some mammals mm. so like it's kind of like it comes out at certain times but it's not always like an option so play like the reason why I love play so much is because it's like basically a bunch of aspects of seeking all in like one thing like chasing the toy like whatever doing this is like it's all like activating the seeking system it can also be like the play emotional system but because they can't really prove that play is there through like the whole life I can have just refer to it as seeking but I feel like for a dog it for sure can be yeah and like it's a thing with polar bears too I actually have a friend who did her thesis on polar bears in Manitoba that play it's a known thing like yes polar bears play but as time has gone on and they become like more and more impacted by climate change and like they have less access to food which means they have less energy to expend they still continue to play despite being hungry despite not having enough energy to really spend on play they still do it so she was looking at like why why do they still do that and it's like it's this core emotional system they like access part of their life it's very cool I would love to talk about I mean the what you're doing to continue to educate yourself obviously that's definitely a big part of like being a dog trainer is now you're in charge of yourself because you're responsible for other dogs so you've done like all these seminars I saw on your site and I just want to hear all about how your trip went to the canine center in Florida it was really good it was kind of a blur because it was like I was there for like a week and basically like like wake up work with dogs for like eight eight hours 10 hours 12 hours and then like go to sleep and then like wake up and do the exact same thing again but it was amazing for people who don't know I went down to Florida and I was basically doing a shadow program for a week at this place called the canine center the canine center is run by dogs playing for life which is a charitable organization in the U.S. that travels to shelters all across the U.S. I think they've been to like over 400 shelters in the U.S. it's crazy and they basically help shelters help their dogs so Amy Sadler is a founder. She has told her story on like several podcasts that you can go and listen to. But basically the reason why she would go to these shelters was to teach them to play with these dogs. They were like, the dogs are locked up in the shelters all day. Shelters are very sterile environments. It kind of like sends their negative emotional systems into overdrive. It's really difficult for the shelter staff to get reads on the dogs when they're like that. They don't have really any outlet at most. Like shelters are really small teams and like they have very limited time to spend with these dogs in the first place and all of them are overrun with dogs coming in you get a dog out once twice a day maybe for like a short walk but like that's not enough for these dogs especially when they're like in those like negative emotional systems and they're basically just pent up 24 7 or like scared and shut down 24 7 the dogs playing for life model amy says came from like a like needing to get these dogs better enriched lives and be like short staffed most of these shelters are short staffed we have to be a little bit lazy here with like what we kind of apply so her solution was to basically get the dogs out and put them in a yard together and let them play and like it sounds like for people who like live in Toronto and like the dog park community is crazy and like people like hate going to dog parks and stuff it sounds insane you're like okay let's put all these crazy dogs together and like basically let them battle it out to the death but that's not what happens like these dogs are like so happy to play and like yes you have to watch them you have to manage you have to be careful which dogs you're matching to each other because not all dogs get along they teach these shelter staffs that's knowledge though like they 
they show yeah. them with their dogs that they have like okay this is a dog that can be matched with basically anyone it's considered a helper dog they're like really good they're socially strong they teach boundaries but they're not aggressive let's put them in with this dog who's like a little bit weird doesn't really have social skills we want her to teach this dog how to play the thing about letting these dogs like play together is like they are way better at communicating with each other than we are again like you don't throw dogs together and let them figure it out quote unquote like that's a bad idea but like you have to like not manage them micromanage like if you the minute like humans get involved and like try to micromanage the dogs that's usually when things go wrong like you grab the leash and the dog's like oh no I'm like being restrained now I'm frustrated like it's like you have to let them to an extent figure it out but also like you can't let them go past their edge it is a game it's kind of like exhilarating like when you're watching it happen like everyone's kind of on edge but also like trying really hard not to like intervene and let them figure it out but it's like an amazing organization they've changed the lives of so many shelter dogs they travel like I said to like over 400 shelters and all these shelters have like reported like less euthanasia rates shorter stays at the shelter the dogs are fulfilled and because they get that energy outlet of being able to play with the other dogs they can work on training with them outside of that environment because they're not scared they're not shut down they're not buzzing with energy like they can actually work with the dog in front of them and train them to do other things other than just be in a cage all day and scared. The canine center kind of grew out of that and they became this behavioral facility that basically accepts dogs from other shelters in the U.S. that are partner shelters that have dogs that are just not doing well in their shelter environment or are kind of like more serious dogs. Like to be honest, like a lot of these dogs have pretty intense like behavioral problems or are in for like serious issues. It's like this is their last stop. Like they either figure it out here and they get a better life and they get trained or they get euthanized like that's unfortunately like the reality and I know behavioral euthanasia is like really hard to talk about it's the reality for like a lot of dogs if you can't safely home a dog or you're worried that like a dog is going to do something and it could hurt someone then like you can't home them like responsibly this is the center was actually like created in part due to Ontario dogs so (laughs) I don't know if you remember this but in like I think 2015 2017 there was like a huge bust of a fighting ring in Mm -hmm. Ontario in Chatham and these dogs were held in like humane society for a while like I think like over a year if I could be wrong but I think they were held because like the court system was pushing to euthanize them it was like a huge media thing Ontario has a pit bull ban so they couldn't stay here so they kind of came to an agreement like we're gonna send them down to this center the center is going to open we're going to send them down there and they are going to be rehabilitated or they'll be euthanized and this will be kind of like there that's that's where they're gonna go amy and her team took these dogs in and they basically had a kennel full of like these one percent dogs that were bred to fight literally wow and had been fighting in rings like they were actively fighting or being bred in fighting rings it was a serious challenge but like they rehabilitated a lot of those dogs some of them went on to like become working dogs which is like really cool i think one of them is like a bomb detection dog the first pitbull bomb detection dog i think or like something like that but it's like incredible work shelters are not that common in Ontario I think Uh, like forget that like there are shelters around but they're not that common and often dogs are turned around pretty quickly in shelters but also a lot of shelters won't accept dogs that have behavioral problems like that because they know they can't handle them it's interesting but 
yeah, it was like really intimidating. Like for day one, I like, I feel like I've really been in a shelter environment like that before. I've been to like SPCAs, but it's not the same. You walk in and like, there's just like two hallways of dogs just screaming, like just freaking out at first thing in the morning. And they're like, okay, like we're going to show you like the routine. Here's this dog, Rocky. He's like freaking out. And like you go and you grab their gear that's hanging on their kennel to go take them out. He's like reacting to me intensely, like behind the barrier of the kennel and I'm like holy crap this dog is going to eat me (laughs) and it was really scary I was like this is crazy but they're like no like just trust me like he's a really sweet dog like he will not do anything to you and I like basically at this point I'm like I trust you guys for my life because I have to I have to yeah (laughs) Uh, but also these they are they do this every day so they know like they know these dogs extremely well I walked around to the other side of the kennel and like there's a guillotine that kind of separates two Mm -hmm. the two part portions of the kennel and one of them the portions of the kennel goes around back I lifted that up I went around back to get him and when I went into the back he was just sitting on his place cot you know like wiggling like his little tails going really fast and he's just (laughs) looking at me with like so much excitement but he's not reacting to me at all he's just like sitting there like just so happy to like get out of the kennel yeah like I know that when you come in here and that collar goes on my body we are leaving and we're getting out of here it was just like a a crazy experience because it's like wow you can really tell like how easy it is for a dog to get mislabeled so easy like I was like this dog's gonna kill me and then like two seconds later I was like this dog's gonna kill me with love like he's gonna like give me kisses and like like jump on me and like be excited to see me like night and day difference it was really insane and crazy yeah and especially in a shelter setting like you know we have that happen so much in the rescues and the foster homes but like you said these shelter settings are so intense like all these dogs are like barking at each other and like amping each other up totally yeah it must be hard to I don't know I can't imagine going to a shelter and a dog I like oh I I don't know I feel like you would just be like (laughs) let's hope for the best like honestly let's like (laughs) leave a faith hopefully this dog is what we think it is it's really crazy but the dogs were so great and like I said like these were serious dogs like I was walking up to a kennel to get a dog out that they had like said like this is a good dog for you to get out like very safe dog like won't do anything to you and it's like oh this dog has killed another dog that's why it's here and I'm like okay that's like crazy but like they train these dogs to have impulse control they train these dogs to socialize like just because a dog comes in labeled as no dogs or dog aggressive they don't exile that dog from being socialized they're like no we're gonna socialize you and teach you how to act and what you can and cannot do like this is like something that you need to know for life skills because again like we're not adopting a dog out that's unpredictable that it's just gonna run if it gets loose from its owner and just kill a dog like that's not gonna happen so it's incredible work that they're doing it's an extremely hard job like yeah emotionally draining physically draining like a lot of what they do is like drive expression so like I said like going back to play like it's a lot of like tapping into like that dog's genetic makeup and like letting them have that outlet so that they can actually work with them they work with the dog like that's in front of them like there's no like we're not gonna like socialize you because you're dog aggressive like yeah yes they're very careful with like who they match that dog with they use muzzles they use long lines they have like safety precautions in place they're not just gonna like let a bunch of dogs in a yard like just go at each other like that's not how it works it is very stressful like you have to be on your (laughs) tippy toes like you got to be ready to like step in when they need you to but it's such a like fulfilling place for the dogs like it's on like I think like 16 acres or something like 
that. Like there's oh, a yeah. huge free roam yard where like the dogs get to be off leash and run around. It's like amazing. Like it's like paradise for dogs, despite like the kennel environment. But it's also like so like you can see the dogs change throughout the day. Like you walk in and the dogs are screaming and then like they go out for their potty walks and they're still a little pent up because all they did was potty walks. And then all of them get a training session in the morning. And then at lunch, when they're all back in the kennels, they all get enrichment. So they'll take, do- they'll give dogs like Kongs, frozen Kongs for dogs that are resource guarders. They'll put like a, a Frisbee that has a carabiner in it with peanut mm. butter on the outside of the kennel so that they can take it away after. So like every dog, no matter what their issue is, gets something during that period. And like they play classical music while it's happening. And like, it's silent, literally silent. Like it's yeah, like, wow. insane. Like it's crazy. And then you come back later to get them and like, the dogs that were exploding at you in the morning are just lying down sleeping. And it's like, okay, this is like amazing. Like it's yeah. crazy. And then again, the dogs go out for potty walks at the end of the day, they get another training session in the afternoon. So like every single dog is getting two training sessions a day, at least two potty walks a day. One of those training sessions could be socialization time, off leash time, drive expression. So that they're like getting their needs met and they're getting fulfilled. And like, I think like 85% of the dogs like make it out of there and go back to the shelters that sent them. And then, and then another dog takes their place and like, wow, it's amazing. like really important work. And like, honestly, just no one else doing it. Like it's yeah. like really, really cool to see it. And I'm like, really, really glad I went. It was like basically life-changing <laughs> to sound cheesy, <laughs> but it was, it was like, I don't know, like in Ontario with foster race rescue, like it's a little different because the dogs are coming but the dogs are coming from environments like that and like yeah. we wonder why they have these problems and then we're like you know like bites happen and like all these other things happen and like I don't know it's like yeah well they didn't they, they couldn't see the dog when it was like that and it's still under a lot of stress and like you have to just kind of take a step back and look at the big picture and try and figure out who is this dog instead of just like labeling it as one thing yeah definitely and it just shows how long it may take but also the tools you need to make these dogs or like to help these dogs get to their best place knowledge like you said the big field the right dog for them and every Mm -hmm. dog is different so it is complicated so it's great to have a group that just like knows how to implement all that and make it work and they don't like rush anything like they have dogs I think minimum stay is like three months maybe some dogs are over there for less if they're like pretty easy like sometimes they get like an easy dog that like was just being like mislabeled in the wrong way and they can turn it around really quick because it's it's like a really normal dog but then you get a dog that is like a fighting dog and you're like okay I have to treat this dog differently and like it's gonna take longer and that's just how it is like some of the dogs have been there for like nine months or longer and that doesn't mean they're a bad dog like if they're being kept there that means that they want to get them out and they think that they can get out so they're like yeah we're keeping this dog until we know it can be adopted and it also has to be like on the other shelter to take the dog back and then send like a new one so it's like this constant cycle of dogs coming in and out there was a couple like new dogs that arrived while I was there it was also pretty interesting to see how people handled like how they handled that it was like like I was like okay like this dog that's coming in today has like three level three bites and they're like when they he arrived he was in a kennel and he was growling and they had to get him out and they're like okay just drive the truck into this yard <laughs> and then we'll just open the kennel because we're yeah. not reaching in there and yeah. we're not using a catch pole because the catch pole is just gonna set the relationship off on the wrong foot and we're not right doing that. had a space he didn't do anything he was just like curious they put no pressure on him at all and it's like starting the relationship off like that is like so good and I think 
like again like in the shelter environment like you don't really have that luxury to be able to do something like that so dogs can act abnormally because people forget that like eye contact with a dog is pressure and it can be taken the wrong way if the wrong dog yes definitely what has that experience taught you that you're taking into your sessions a lot uh like (laughs) learned like so much in such a short amount of time every day I spent there every lunch I would go back to my room and I would write down every single thing that I learned (laughs) that morning yeah from each individual dog like I literally have like their names in my notebook and like what we did (laughs) and like how what it taught me um and then I would do the same thing at night I would like do the same thing honestly I think there was a the thing that like really got through to me was the socialization aspect because I think here in Toronto people kind of like stay away from that because we label dog parks as like such a bad place to be and I agree like most people don't know what they're doing a lot of dog owners just take their dogs there and like don't pay attention they're on their phones like there's also like no like organizing of like which dogs are playing with which dogs Things yeah can go bad really quickly also, there's like way too many dogs like yeah like in there's, general. there's so many dogs and so many dogs that are not well socialized so it's like yeah it's, it's a gamble every time you go to a dog yeah. park, it's like okay hopefully nothing bad happens the socialization aspect is what I really like I learned the most in because I think people stay away from it here there's not a ton of trainers that are like really doing that like kind mm-hmm. of like taking a dog that is maybe seen as no dogs because it's reactive or it's shown like aggressive behaviors before and trying to like work through that by actually socializing them with dogs so that was like a huge learning opportunity for me especially with the type of dogs that I was like yeah seeing. so it was amazing it was like the best part of every day was when we did play group because like you could just see like how happy the dogs were and like you can see their like true selves come out it was like yeah. really pure it was like this dog who's here for like xyz reason is like look at him like that's not who this dog is that's not who he is it's just Aww. yeah that touches my heart it was really it was an awesome experience like I honestly would go back in a heartbeat I hope to at least (laughs) yeah definitely if people are interested in some of the perspectives you've given I know you have a section on your website that has some recommendations so I'll definitely link that in the show notes anything else you're like want to recommend in terms of reading listening yeah like that book I mentioned earlier animals make us human like I literally think that every dog trainer should read it and I think that anyone in rescue should also read it because it's really it's really cool book it's like very informative talks a lot about like the emotional systems and like gives examples case studies like scientific studies that were done that kind of prove these things and like why they happen so I definitely recommend that it's a really really interesting read and it's I promise it's not like dense it's like actually interesting (laughs) I listen to a lot of podcasts the Huberman lab podcast is a neuroscience podcast like more about human neuroscience but honestly like it's still applicable like I learned a lot like he had a play episode recently actually and it was like really really good so I recommend checking that out dogs playing for life the organization I mentioned before has a learning library on their website um, that has a lot of really good resources about like how to work through different things I think it's a really good resource for like rescues like if like rescues want to like kind of reference that stuff it's really really helpful and then I'll like shout out my mentor Pete his uh website is canine wellness dot com I think and or Canemola's training I can't remember <laughs> but he has a blog on his website his crate training guide is like my bible for like whenever I get a new dog I recommend it to everyone who gets a new foster and his four dimensions of resilience on his blog as well really interesting too very cool we'll have those in the show notes thank you for joining <laughs> this was really really interesting I've like been wanting to dig into what you've been working on for like yeah. for a bit because I feel like you know with social media you get like glimpses here and there yeah. 
yeah totally you're like yeah. what is it all about so I know I didn't want to like post anything on like my actual like Josie's account because I'm like people aren't here for that like <laughs> they just want to see cute pictures and videos of my dog I'm like I feel bad like posting stuff about like training information I'm like uh people probably don't care again that imposter syndrome but now you yeah. have another account you <laughs> yeah, can post exactly. as much as you want exactly <laughs> where can people find your personal or like rather your Josie yeah. stuff and then how can people go ahead and book you if they're in the Toronto area yeah so my website is resilientk9.com snag that one up <laughs> it's my website I have a contact form if you reach out to me for training I'll send you my intake form that you'll fill out that just basically gives me your details about your dog my Instagram is resilientk9 on Instagram and then Josie's like personal like Instagram is journeys.with.josie <laughs> amazing well thank you for joining for having me <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely love to see your progress with how your trainings go I'm really excited for you <laughs> yeah me too it's been like I said it's been really good it's been a really fun experience and everyone's been really nice to me and I've been getting really good feedback which is helpful that's amazing all right nice to chat with you Courtney yeah you too bye bye rescue dog love is a project by Yamini Cohen inspired by her rescue dog boss who you can find on Instagram with his doggy sibling Queenie at Queenie and boss to keep up with the Rescue Dog Love podcast, you can follow us at rescuedoglove.com or at rescuedoglovepod on Instagram. See you next time.